Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hey, Paul and Jen, why don't you come up for a second? Let's all, let's just stand to our feet. Welcome. Welcome to Celebration Church. Um, how are you guys going? I was going to do a quick, quick Q&A. How are you going? Fantastic. Really good. Great to be here. Yeah, good. We have the new house that happens this week and the new baby in September. Oh, come on. Um, show us your belly. Wow. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I felt, I felt a kick then. Yeah. Uh, we just want to say we, just, we really appreciate you both. And, and Jen and Paul aren't just, you're not just friends of the house, you're family of the house. And so thank you for being with us. Um, and we look forward to what's going to happen this morning. Let's give them a hand right now. You can start with Paul. You can sit down. to get started, but um, I just feel like the Holy Spirit's here, and I feel like He's just kind of prompting me to just to bless someone here, and I'm not sure who that is, but if I just had like a random list of names or something that I could draw from, I would know who the Holy Spirit is asking me to, oh, wow, how convenient, that's amazing, um, alright, so I just want to, I'm not sure who exactly the Holy Spirit is calling me to bless here, but just out of complete obedience and randomness to the Holy Spirit, Dilsa L, I feel like... Uh, Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Do we have the chalk? Oh, there it is. Okay. Yeah, Dilster, I just feel like the Holy Spirit wants you to have this. God bless you. All right. Um, nothing I could do, guys. It was God, so take it up with you. Thanks, guys, by the way. You guys have done a fantastic job. Appreciate you. I, um, um, so if I don't know you, my name is Paul. Um, you might, uh, you might, I'm not so much the, I don't feel like I'm a, a guest here. I feel like I'm more of a family here. If I'm not a son of the house, I'm probably more of a son-in-law of the house. Um, if, you, if you don't know me, you probably know my wife, Jenny. You just met her. You might remember her as Jenny Mitchell. Um, she is now Jenny McGee. And as Benai said, uh, one more on the way, which is exciting. Um, I just, so I, I teach in Hillsong Bible College. Uh, we uh, send a lot of I'll send a lot of you guys there. Uh, I do a lot of Old Testament work there, and because it's Old Testament, I often have to start my lectures with something uh, telling people why this is interesting or relevant to their lives. Uh, but I think I can skip that today. I think that's probably okay. I think we we are going to be talking about sex and sexuality. Uh, we're going to be talking this kind of in a, in a broad terms, and obviously this is is kind of a hot topic in a lot of different ways in our society. Um, so we'll get straight into that. But I do at first kind of want to honour where honours due, and I want to just um, say thank you to Pastors Benaya and Charlie for having us over here for everything that you guys do. Um, yeah. Uh, when I first met these guys, Benaya and Charlie, uh, it was at a, um, it was one of our, I think our third or fourth date, I was coming down to Nara to see Jan again, and she said, hey, we're having kind of a church dinner with some of the leaders here, do you want to come along and, and meet some people? I thought, yeah, great, it'll just be kind of a church leadership thing, I'll just sit in the background and let them do their meeting. I didn't realise the church meeting, it was, it was more of a job interview for me. Uh, it was more of a, a grilling, you could call that as well, I think I had a lot of, a lot of very personal questions were asked, um, my, head, my head was literally measured at one point, uh, that was uh, part of that dinner. <laughs> 
There's, there's a context for that, but you don't need it. <laughs> uh, a lot of stuff happened, but I realized how much, uh, how much Jen was loved here and how much the, the, this, this church family and this church community meant to her. And um, uh, You may not know me personally, but through, through Jen, uh, through our family, you've actually impacted my life more than probably you realize. So I'm very grateful for everybody here, your leaders, uh, your connect leaders, everybody who's part of this church and calls this church home. So, so thank you so much for that. It's, it is an honor to be here. Um, so we're going to be talking a little bit around this area of sex and relationships. And um, obviously, uh, I'm married. I've been married for two years, uh, with one on the way that kind of tells you I'm qual- all my qualifications to speak on this topic. Um, but, but I'm also aware that my story is only one story in a room that probably has a lot of different stories here and a lot of different situations. I imagine quite a lot of you have been married for longer than I have. Maybe a few of you have been married more times than I have. Maybe you've uh, maybe marriage isn't an option in this season or at all. Uh, maybe there are, there are bigger questions in your life that, that need answers and that, that I just don't know how to relate to and things that are going on that I, could, I, could, I don't know about and I could never imagine. Uh, when when Benar asked me to speak on this topic, I thought, all right, what's just happened? Who's done what? <laughs> who, do I, who do I need to... <laughs> Who do I need to stare at prophetically as I speak? <laughs> what, do I need to, what do I need to do? But um, he, said, he, he said, no, it's, it's just something we want to talk about and we want, to, we want to have a good understanding of in this area. And I absolutely love that. So um, I don't know any secrets here. I'm not staring at anyone uh, specifically. I'm coming in fresh as an outsider. Uh, but this is something we need to talk about. Something we, uh, our society, I think, struggles to have a really honest, raw conversation about. So we're going to uh, be diving deep in, in here today, uh, which should be fun. Um, so I'm going to pray. Uh, and then we'll launch straight in. Father God, thank you so much uh, for this morning. Thank you for, for this incredible house and the leadership and the atmosphere that we get to uh, come around your heart today. And Father, we pray for, um, we pray, pray for clarity, for courage, and for con- conviction, Lord, that we would really hear your voice here and that we would go beyond this building as well to be your hands and feet to a world and to be a, a voice to a culture that needs us and needs to hear you. In Jesus' name, amen. So with one on the way, I'm obviously starting to think about kids a little differently. I'm starting to go through the, the kids' aisles in, the, uh, in, in Kmart and Target. I'm starting to notice kids in strollers. We have pram discussions now. Um, that's, that's adulthood when you start to talk about different prams and what they're like. And some of these prams, well, what they're like. And some of these prams I've noticed cost more than most of the cars that I've owned in my life. So it's crazy when you get to this stage in your life when that's the thing. Um, and I'm starting to sort of pick up on some kids' stories and, and, and kids' books and things. And one of, the, um, one of the stories that really left an impact on me was a, a story called There's No Such Thing as Dragons. It's about a little boy who, who wakes up in the middle of the night and there's a little dragon at the edge of his bed. It's about the size of a dog. There's a, there's a dragon there. So he runs into his parents' room and goes, Mom, 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 there's a dragon on my bed. And his mom goes, No, there's no such thing as dragons. Go back to sleep. And as he goes back to the bed, the dragon gets a little bit bigger. And then the next morning, he wakes up and the dragon is still there. So he comes down to the breakfast and says, Mom, Mom, there's a dragon. It's still in my room. It's a little bit bigger. And she says, no, don't be stupid. There's no such thing as dragons. And the dragon grows a little bit again. And over the next couple of weeks, they, they kind of um, go about their lives and the dragon gets bigger and bigger and it leaves the room uh, and it starts to walk around the kitchen and the rest of the house, knocking things over, uh, planting itself on the couch. The dragon starts to kind of wander around the house and the, the, the boy keeps pointing him out. Look, Mom, there's a dragon. It's, it's right in our backyard. No, don't be silly. There's no such thing as dragons. Mom, there's a dragon out there. I think it's just eating the neighbor's cat. No, there's no such thing as dragons. <laughs> they don't exist. And this kind of goes on and on for months and months, and the dragon gets bigger and bigger until one day they come home from school, and the dragon is actually the size of the house. Uh, and the house is on, now on fire because the dragon is sort of out of control. It's, it's moving around, destroying things. And the mum looks at it and goes, we've got to do something about that dragon. 
And it really kind of settled me because I think that it's, it's some, kind of similar to this topic. As, as a nation and as a culture, we've kind of gone through a lot of years where we've just said there's no such thing as dragons. Uh, we, we, we've kind of, when it comes to sexuality, we just didn't talk about it. We didn't present it. We didn't acknowledge it. There was just no such thing as dragons. We, we, we kind of presented ourselves. Everything's great here. We're all happy. We're all satisfied. It's all kind of private between you and God. We just present ourselves with our, you know, our 2.5 kids and our happy marriages and sensible haircuts, and everything's fine here. Thank you very much. No such thing as dragons. If there was any kind of bigger gender issues or any uh, bullying or any abuse or any other past trauma or any of the things that could go wrong in this area, we just kind of presented a safe face and said, not, not, not in my family, not in our house, not in this church, not in this town. This just doesn't happen here. There's no such thing as dragons. And every time you say that, the dragon gets a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger until, until we got to a point, I think, in 2019 where the dragon basically runs the house. Uh, the dragon starts destroying things. We're starting to realize the impact that a, a badly controlled dragon can have. Uh, to the point where we can't have a, an honest or a real conversation a, a about this area. We can't touch it in, in modern culture because the dragon starts to, starts to destroy people. Um, and we can see that we've, we've almost raised an entire generation of teenagers and young people to think that uh, this is actually the only thing that matters in your life. That your, your sex and your sexuality is the only thing worth having. That if you're not having sex with as many people as you want, uh, with the right people that you want, and as the right person that you want to be, then life is not worth living. And this, we've gotten to the point where we cannot ignore the dragon, and we, we don't really know how to talk about it still. Um, there's an entire subsection of, of sort of male culture on the internet. They call themselves the incels. Um, maybe you've heard of them. It's, it's kind of short for involuntary, involuntary celibates. Um, the idea behind them is that they're not getting the sex that they want. They're not, all these beautiful women aren't having sex with them, and they see this as, as like a, a human right that's been taken away from them. They're involuntarily being forced into celibacy, which is kind of funny and sad at the same time, and kind of tragic. But where did they get this expectation that this was a right, that this was, this was set up for them? This was, their lives weren't worth living if they weren't having sex. And this is kind of where we are as a society. We don't know how to deal with this dragon. We, we don't know how to have a good conversation about it. And in church, it's probably the same thing. I think we've kind of lagged a little bit behind this, but maybe you came to, to this church, maybe you came from a background where you just didn't talk about this. There's no such thing as dragons. You do, if you have an issue, it's just not something we talk about here. It just doesn't happen. Um, and every time maybe... People haven't talked about this. You felt un insecure. Uh, maybe, maybe people are allowed to joke about it, which is, as Aussies, that's kind of a way of not talking about things. We joke about them as a way of keeping them away. Uh, but maybe every time we haven't talked about this, maybe the dragon in your life has gotten a little bit bigger um, and it's starting to get a little bit out of control. Uh, so what we want to do today is, is talk about the dragon. Yeah, is talk about the dragon. Put it in its place. Because dragons are actually awesome. We know that movie, um, How to Train Your Dragon. There's three of those. Dragons are fantastic. <laughs> They are great things. They are fantastic to have in your corner. A dragon that's tame and that's under control has a lot to your life. And good, healthy, strong sexuality. There's a reason we're talking about this in a series, because it's actually fantastic. It adds to your life, and it's a wonderful thing to have. But it can't run your life. <laughs> it can't run. If it's out of control, it just destroys you. So what we're going to do is talk about the dragon, actually have a, a conversation about how to use it. Because dragons as well... Our society, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the news uh, recently or in the last 10 years really, but every, just about every day in the newspapers there's something to do with sex or sexuality. This question is that all of our biggest scandals, all the biggest things we talk about have something to do with sex and sexuality. And my prayer today is that this, is, this will be the beginning of a conversation for you. 
Uh, I know I've, uh, sometimes, some things you can't really talk about in, a, in this kind of setting. Sometimes the sermon isn't necessarily the best way to communicate things. And I know there's a whole lot of different contexts and situations here. So I'm not, probably not going to be able to talk directly into every one of your situations. But if this does trigger something for you, uh, if this does kind of set you off and make you think, I need to talk about this dragon a little bit. I need to get some help here. I need to explore this. But I pray that... Um, I pray that you do have, go on to have a conversation about this. There are some amazing teachers and amazing, amazing pastors and connect leaders here, and they, they have your best interests at heart. So if this does open some doors, I'm praying that this does uh, kind of trigger that for you. Is that okay? Also praying as well. Um, in the news very recently, there was a, um, a high-profile case of someone who, who tweeted something about, uh, uh, um, about LGBTQ issues and some of the backlash around this, and probably many of you are in situations where you're the only Christian in your workplace. I'm not. I work at a Bible college. Hopefully, I get to say that. But um, there are others, others of you have probably been asked questions of what do you act, what do you believe about this and how, how do you handle this? And I'm hoping that this uh, what happens today is hopefully more of a framework to, to to deal with some of those questions and and to be able to present the gospel in a, in a clear and compelling way. Represent the love of God. So we're talking about the dragon, but more importantly, we're also going to put him in his place. Because the dragon doesn't need to run your house. And it might surprise you, we're not actually going to talk about sexuality directly today. What we are going to do is talk about Jesus. Yeah. Now, this might be surprising in a church, but, uh, this, is, uh, but th- this is actually what we believe is this the center of our life, the, the clues in the title. We're Christians. In other words, the Christ is the absolute center of our lives. Yeah. Uh, and often what happens with Christians when they want to talk about sex or sexuality, and I've been in a lot of these talks, they go straight to the Bible, which I think is a mistake. Yeah, that got your attention, didn't it? <laughs> like, um, now, uh, Proviso, I don't, I love the Bible. <laughs> the Bible's amazing. I teach at a Bible college. I read the Bible every day. I absolutely love the Word of God. But um, sometimes when, as Christians, we tend to think just quoting Scripture is the answer. Or quoting Scripture, just because you're quoting the Bible doesn't necessarily mean you're right or helpful. As, as Christians, we're not just called to give the Word of God, we're called to give the heart of God. The, heart of God without, the Word of God without the heart of God actually comes across as re- very legalistic and strange. Unfortunately, the, the very public case that happened recently in the news is, is what happens when someone quotes the, the Word of God into a culture that doesn't necessarily know the heart of God. And when you just quote Scripture without giving it a, a context of who God is and His heart for people, it comes across in, the really, in some really strange and, and, and dangerous ways. Quoting Scripture doesn't necessarily mean you're right. I mean, the devil quotes Scripture in the Bible, and he's still a liar. <laughs> yeah, we're not, yeah, so we're not going um, so to go so much through Leviticus or Genesis or Romans. Those are fantastic books, and we love them. What we are going to do is we're going to look at Jesus this morning. We're going to look at um, some of the things he had to say about life and how to put these things into focus and into their right perception. And it's amazing how when you put Jesus at the center of your house, all these other dragons and books and ideas and things, they start to, they start to find their place. Um, so that's what we're going to do today. Everyone good so far? Excellent. All right, so this isn't going to be super deep. Um, it's not going to be a whole lot of PowerPoints or anything. It's not going to uh, bring any kind of deep, massive theological concepts. But what hopefully this does is gives you a framework to speak, about, to, speak to these issues uh, and to begin some conversations in your life. So there's only four points, uh, but they all come from Jesus, so they're all good. So number one, if you're writing notes, you probably want to write this down. Number one, the first point out of four that I want to make today is is this. It's really important. God has the absolute best for every area of your life, including sex. God has the absolute best for every area of your life, including sex. So in John chapter 10, verse 10 is a verse that many of you know very well. Um, This is a verse we kind of memorized for our Sunday school students. If you don't know it, it's going to be up on the screen here. 
Um, this is when Jesus is talking to a big crowd. Uh, one of the things he says kind of in general is the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Uh, have it abundantly. And I love that. It's not just, this is not just kind of promising you like eternal life. Um, you know, life in the clouds, playing a harp or something is not just something that happens after you die. I've come that you may have life, that you have it abundantly. Life worth celebrating. Life that you enjoy in every facet and every area of your life. Um, I love, you guys know this already, but I love that you guys are called Celebrations Church. You're not survival church. You know, you're not kind of surviving week to week. Oh, God, isn't it awful being a Christian one more week? God, can't wait for this to be over. You know, sort of terrible. You actually celebrate your life. Uh, I love that because the whole, the reason Jesus came was to give you something worth celebrating in every area of your life, not to just hang on for heaven one day to to kind of wait for it all to be over, but to give you life in all of its fullness and abundance. And not saying that it doesn't have its moments. Some some of life is very difficult and very hard and sacrificial, but life worth celebrating. That's what every, Jesus wants this for every area of your life, including sex. And this is actually really important because you know, some of you are thinking right now, well, that's, that's great, but I learned that in Sunday school. Come on, I thought you were a theologian. I thought you were going to bring something a little bit more deep than that. But yeah, you probably know this, but do you actually believe that? Do you actually believe that God wants you to be happy? in your life. Not just, not just God, that God tolerates you and wants you to have you around and wants to maybe use you as an example for other people. Do you actually think that God wants you to be happy in every area of your life? Because this is, this is the truth. This is, everything kind of hinges on this idea. And this is, I mean, the reason I came down from Sydney was to tell you, if you don't get anything else out of this sermon, that God loves you. God is in your corner. God is on your team. God is your biggest cheerleader. God wants you to be happy and fulfilled and satisfied in every area of your life. The, your, the, biggest, uh, the biggest cheerleader, God is more, is more for your satisfaction, your fulfillment than even you are. God wants you to be happy. And you need to believe this. This is the, whole, this is the only thing you get in, in every area of your life, including sex, which is hard for us sometimes to understand. Sometimes it's hard for us to get our heads around. If you struggle with this a little bit, you're not the only one. In um, uh, one, of the, one of the great early church theologians, his name was Augustine, he had this prayer that went, God, please make me sexually pure, but not yet. <laughs> but not yet. <laughs> what he meant was he had kind of had an idea of what God wanted him to do. He kind of knew how, how his life was going to pan out if it didn't work. And he, he kind of knew what God was asking him, but he just, like, not yet. You know, I want to do my own thing first. I, he didn't quite trust God with his happiness in that area. He thought, you know, I can trust God with, you know, my money, because that's fine. He can bless that. I can trust God with my time, because, you know, I wasn't doing anything else on Sunday morning, so that's fine. It's, it's easy to trust God with a lot of other areas in your life, but when God actually says, I want you to trust me with that, we start to think, oh, I don't know if you can really make me happy here. <laughs> Maybe I'll just leave that until later. Maybe I'll kind of do my own thing first and then come around and get forgiveness and all the rest of it. And it's, it's hard for us sometimes to accept that God actually does want you to be happy in this area. Um, I grew up in church. Uh, I heard a lot of the sex talks. I grew up in a youth group. I knew exactly, you know, you know every, all, the whole thing, wait till you're married, etc., etc. Uh, and I knew that God wanted the best thing for my life, but I couldn't, quite, uh, I couldn't quite understand this area. I couldn't quite convince myself that actually God wanted me happy here. I always thought that trusting God with your sexuality meant kind of giving up all your right to happiness. God was going to force me to become a monk or a celibate, you know, living on a mountain somewhere frustrated and bored or he was going to make me marry someone horrendous as a joke or something. But um, that didn't happen, by the way. She's awesome. <laughs> she's, she's amazing. 
But this is, look, if you only get one thing out of today, just know that God is on your side. Um, God genuinely does want you to be happy in every area of your life, including sex, which is not the same everywhere in your life. Notice the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I don't know if you thought about this, but a lot of the loudest voices when it comes to this area in society don't actually have your best interest at heart. A lot of the, the big culture, the kind of trendsetters and the culture shapers and the biggest areas that kind of speak into this, in, in, uh, sorry, the biggest voices that speak into this area as a society are actually only trying to rip you off. They're trying to get your money or your attention or your likes or your follows on social media uh, or to watch their show. The people that put yeah, the guys that put people on TV shows in different marriage situations and swap them around and force them to marry in different, you know, people that they'd never marry in real life, they're not actually trying to, to help marriage necessarily. They're just trying to get exposure. They're just trying to make a buck. There's, there's a lot of other voices that are speaking into this area that don't actually have your best interests at heart. But God is not one of those. I came that they may have life and they have it abundantly. Is that cool? Excellent. Cool. So God, so God is for you. God invented sex. The first human beings didn't discover sex one day and think, whoa, let's not tell God about this. He's going to get angry when he sees how much fun we're having. Um, God actually, God, God doesn't just tolerate sex for the, for the purpose of other things. God actually celebrates it. He celebrates this healthy, vibrant, um, satisfying sex life. There's a whole book in the Old Testament. It's called Song of Songs. It's very weird and very culturally different and it's, it's very hard to, to read. But it's just about two people that absolutely love each other. And, and God loves that. He says, this, this belongs in the Bible. I'm going to celebrate this because this is my plan for every human being. I want you to have a healthy and as fulfilling sex life. So that's number one. God has the absolute best for your life in every area, including sex. Number two. This is where it gets tough. Number two. All of us are broken in every area, including sex. Now, this is something that our, most of our culture doesn't get. No, no, it's, it's kind of out of sync with the rest of what society often tells us about this area. But... Uh, is this is something that Jesus, um, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 15. Uh, Matthew chapter 15, verse 19, he's having this discussion with some of his disciples. He says this, For out of the heart come evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, and slander. Not a lot of good things there. He says this is, this is a reality of human heart. He's not singling people out here. He's not talking about particular communities. What he's doing is saying that every human being, if you have a heart, this is, this is you. This, is, this applies to you, um, that all of us are actually broken in every way, including in sex. And God loves you, and because he loves you, he can tell you the truth. He can look you in the eye and tell you where you're broken and where you are and what's, what's wrong with your life. And this is, this is the truth that he wants to get across, that ultimately the message of Jesus is not, that you, is not just to add a bit of religion to your life. It's not just to make you try harder in certain areas. It's not to help you meet your full potential just with a few tweaks here and there, he's actually saying, no, you need to be born again. And this is really religious language and it kind of becomes a bit of a cliche, but when he says born again, he means you need to hit the reset button. You need to start over. In other words, the things that come out of your heart, sometimes are the desires and some of the things that you feel are the most precious to you and come right out of your identity, he's saying, actually, out of the heart, that's, that's not going to bring you happiness. He's not just singling out other people in, in, in certain areas. He's saying this for everyone. Everyone who has a heart, you need to know that out of it, it comes a lot of ugly stuff as well. Come, out of this comes to, out of this is, is, is stuff that makes you fall short. And um, whenever Jesus does this, whenever the Bible kind of lists a whole lot of sins here, the point is not to single any of those groups out. One of the mistakes we make as Christians often with these scriptures is to say, well, my brokenness is better than your brokenness. 
Well, mine's not as bad as yours. Well, that's really broken, whereas I'm only a little bit broken. That's actually the opposite of what these passages mean. Um, that, that passage that was, that was quoted in public and made a lot of news recently, the passage from Romans actually ends with the words, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's the point. Not these people have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Um, there's these two men in a fishing boat, and they're out in the middle of the ocean somewhere, and they're, and they're kind of doing their thing, sitting on opposite ends of the boat, and uh, one of them suddenly notices a leak that's springing up next to him. So he's, he's, and there's water's coming into the boat, so he starts grabbing all these containers and starts uh, trying to shovel all the water and trying to keep the boat afloat, and trying to get in, doing everything he can to try and keep the boat there. The other guy looks at him from the other side of the boat and just kind of leans back and goes, Jeez, I'm glad that hole's not on my side of the boat. Sometimes as Christians, we can kind of do the same thing. We can look at other people struggling and think, well, I'm glad that hole's not on my side of the boat. <laughs> that's, that, that dragon's not in my house, but that's not happening to me. That's the absolute opposite of these passages. The, the point that Jesus is trying to make is all of us are broken here. Um, that, all, that this happens to all. Maybe it affects us in different ways. Maybe my brokenness looks different to your brokenness, but we are all broken um, in every way, and including sex. And this is... Um, this is very different to what a lot of culture tells you um, uh, about sex and sexuality. What feels good and natural might not actually bring you happiness. Uh, we're in a culture that very much uh, re- repeats this idea that what, you know, the key to happiness is to express yourself, uh, to live from the heart, to do what feels good, to feel natural, to express, um, to, to have sex with the people that you want to as the person you want to. And if you get there, that's fulfillment. That's what satisfaction looks like. And what a lot of people, unfortunately, discover in their 20s and their 30s is that, that actually doesn't satisfy them. Um, there's, there's, no, there's no happiness there. Um, so, um, so this is important. This is one of those kind of hard truths that Jesus kind of gives across. If you're only following your heart, if you just follow your own desires and the things that seem natural for you, that might not satisfy you. That actually this is expressing brokenness. And following your desires is only adding more brokenness to broken things. It's not going to make you happy. Is that cool? So that's, uh, that's point two. All of us are broken in every way, including sex. Number three. Oh, this gets hard as well. <laughs> Number three. This is the third point. Following Jesus means giving him authority over every area of your life, including sex. Including sex and sexuality. Following Jesus means giving him authority over every area of your life. Now, this is very hard, but I didn't write this. <laughs> Unfortunately, this... Um, that this is, is this really controversial moment in Jesus' ministry where he's just fed 5,000 people miraculously. Um, there's only five loaves and three fishes, and he's, he's done an absolute miracle there. So 5,000 people get fed, and it's, a, it's an incredible moment where 5,000 disciples suddenly show up at his doorstep. Uh, he thinks, this is momentum, you know, this, this ministry is getting huge. And they start to look at each other thinking, isn't this fantastic? And in uh, Luke chapter 9, he turns around to these 5,000 people and says something completely countercultural and completely pointless. He says, if anyone would become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and anyone who loses my, their life for my sake will save it. And you can almost hear the crowd just start to choke on their fish sandwiches as they hear that. Like, what? <laughs> and the disciples... <laughs> And Peter's going, wait, 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 we just had these people. We just got them. What are you telling them that for? Just, just put it in the fine print or the terms and conditions or something that no one reads. Don't, don't tell them that as they go. Just let them find that out, let them find that out later. Let's just kind of capitalize and make, the, make this happen. But Jesus puts it right out there and says, actually, if you want to follow me, if you want to be a part of this thing that's changing the world, and if you really want to give me authority over your life, it means everything in your life comes under his lordship, including sex. And this is, here's the thing, this is, 
This is all over the. This is all over Christianity. This is what it means to follow Jesus. Jesus will accept you however you are, however you come to Him. Jesus loves you. There is no conditions on His love. But those of us who have been following Him for a while and for many years know that at some point, Jesus will point something out in your life and say, "I want that. I want you to give that up. Will you? Will you trust me with that? Will Will you allow me to do what I want to do in your life with that?" And this is very hard, and for a lot of us, it's, it's, it's a different area, and it's, it, it could be money. Uh, later on in Luke's gospel, it's a, guy, it's, it's a guy that has a lot of money that Jesus tells him to give away. Um, later on in this chapter, Jesus says something, again, very controversial. He says, if anyone does not hate their father and mother, they cannot be my disciple. That's, that's really harsh, and it's even harsher in context. In, in, um, to give you an idea of how, how big a statement that is, uh, when, when the biblical translators publish Arabic Bibles, so the Gospels written in, in the Arabic language, uh, there's a serious conversation about whether we should intentionally mistranslate that word, you know, hate your father and mother, because it's so offensive in Arabic culture to, to say that. And Jesus intended for that to be. He says, if you're not prepared to let go of even the most precious and personal things to you, you can't be my disciple. It's incredibly harsh, but as Benaiah quoted the verse a little bit earlier, Jesus says later that you can't serve two masters. Not you shouldn't serve two masters, or it's very unhealthy to serve two masters, or it's very difficult to serve masters. Actually, you know you can't serve two masters. It's impossible for you to do that. At some point, you are going to have to choose between Jesus and whatever else it is that's ruling your life. You, you can't serve two masters. The example he gives is, is um, you know, God and money. Could be God and family. Could be God and the dragon. Could be God and sex. You can't serve two masters. Either you serve one and love the other, or hate one and love the and serve the other. This is a, and there's going to be a point sometime in your life if you're serious about following Jesus, where if you keep singing these songs, my desire is to follow you. We're living all for you. If you keep singing that, eventually Jesus will think that you mean that. And he keeps kind of writing checks with your mouth. Eventually, he's going to crash some of those in your heart. Um, and in, at some point, as, as personal and as harsh as that may seem, Jesus will point to the thing in your life that's the most personal and, uh, and the most valuable thing to you and say, do you trust me with that? Do you, do you, do you, will you allow me to do what I want to do in your life through that area? Um, and this this can be this can be very hard, but again, it's not in the fine it's not in the fine prints, not in the terms and conditions. This is what it means to follow him. To make him the Lord of your life. To give him your life means that. To, to give him your life, to trust him with that. Uh, in this area, in sexuality, it might mean saying no to some things. Uh, for some of you, it might mean actually realizing, hey, I've got this obsession with getting married that I need to put on the back burner for a little while. Maybe I need to say no to dating for a little while to make sure that God is the number one thing in my life. So others of you, maybe it might mean investing into a marriage that you might have given up on. Uh, it might mean get, putting some boundaries in place. It might mean putting some boundaries around your internet uh, or around, your, uh, around the people that you hang out with. It might mean saying no to some things that don't necessarily feel wrong to you right now. It might mean that Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart to say, I actually want you to give up part of your identity for me, yeah. which is huge. But this is, this is something that, that Jesus ultimately puts in front of you as a Christian, as a serious follower. Do you trust me? Do, do, you, do you want to put me as Lord of your life? For others of you, maybe this means getting help um, to say, okay, this is, this is out of control in my life. I need to, if I'm going to submit this to Jesus, I need to have some awkward conversations. I need to go and see a pastor and maybe, maybe look for some resources. I need to open up my life a little bit to get some help in this area. Uh, but whatever it is, that Jesus, Jesus will ultimately put his finger on something in your life that feels personal and valuable to you and say, do you trust me with that? Do, do you really think oh, I, can, I can help you in that area? 
Now, having said all that, there's, there's two little kind of sub-points that I want to say to that. Those, they're really kind of important on that thought of Jesus, following Jesus, giving him authority over every area of your life. The first one is that, um, hear me out on this, God's heart for you is always to keep you safe and to keep you healthy and to, to make sure you have, a, you have a healthy and satisfying life in every area, including this one. But God's heart is never to put you in danger. And submitting to God sexually doesn't necessarily mean submitting to a person sexually, even if they say they represent God. Uh, as a person or an institution, they always have to earn your trust. Um, God, God always wants you safe. Um, unfortunately, uh, in our society in Australia, domestic violence and things like date rape are a huge, and in some, in, in some churches as well, these things can happen where people have got some twisted ideas about God and about submission and relationships. They can sometimes try to manipulate people to think this is, this is what it means to submit to God. Uh, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Don't, don't buy into that. Keep yourself safe. Whatever it is, it's never God's will to make you uncomfortable or unsafe or get you out of there. So just please, please bear that in mind. Don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. The other thing I want to say on that, the other little sub-point, this idea of submitting to God and submitting your sexuality to Him, is when I was, when I was single uh, and kind of growing up in church and heard this, kind of, this point uh, brought up a lot, I always used to think, well, that's easy for you if you're married, you know. You're married, I guess you have sex all the time, it's, it's just great for you. you, you know, you don't have to worry about all that stuff that is single. And, um, to an extent, kind of on the other side of that, I understand that thought, I understand the, the, the perception of it, and I know for, for some people that thought of giving up part of your identity or, or something about your sexuality is huge and probably bigger than I would ever understand. Um, but what I want to say, firstly, if, if you're thinking that as a single person, thinking maybe marriage isn't on the radar for you right now, what does it mean to give, to, um, to kind of live sexually pure? Um, if you can't get control of this while you're single, it's not going to be easier when you're married. It's the same process of discipline and, and, and understanding and adding one more woman to the women you're allowed to sleep with doesn't actually help you control that. It's the same thought process, the same discipline, same of everything. If you can't get control over this when you're single, marriage is not going to be this magical solution that's going to fix you sexually all of a sudden. Get control of it now. Um, the second thing, for, for other people as well, if, if, this is a, if this is a bigger challenge for you, maybe if marriage isn't, you know, isn't a possibility in this season or maybe not even a possibility at all and you, you feel like God is, is making this unfair for you, if you feel like God is, is targeting you and making this harder for you than the rest of us, what that probably means is that the rest of us aren't actually taking this thing seriously. Because when Jesus says, uh, take up your cross, a cross is a cross for all of us. This is not supposed to be easy for anybody. Uh, this is not an unfair thing looking for other people. This is not, Jesus doesn't look at people and say, well, if you're straight and you're married and you have 2.5 kids and a sensible haircut, you guys are great. Everybody else, you're sinners and you need to work on Jesus. Says, no, you're all sinners and you all need to work on your areas. None of us are actually born to All of us have a cross to bear. Maybe our crosses look a little bit different. Maybe some of our crosses are a bit harder than others. But this is, again, we are all in the same boat here. <laughs> and if, if it doesn't look that way, if it looks like some people are getting it easier, it probably means some of us aren't taking that seriously enough. So maybe something a bit to heart check. Is that all right? Very cool. All right, so that's point three. Following Jesus means giving him authority over every area, including sex. Number four, last point, God will repay everything that you sacrifice for him, including sex. God will actually repay everything that you sacrifice for him. Off the back of that, yes, Jesus asks for a lot. He doesn't keep that a secret. He doesn't, doesn't try to hide that anywhere. Jesus says straight up, if you're serious about following me, I'm going to ask you for a lot. I'm going to ask you to continually sacrifice things that you find personal and precious. But the promise on the other end of that is that everything you sacrifice, God will repay. God will promise that. In, in, Matthew chapter, sorry, in Mark chapter 10, 
Uh, Mark chapter 10, there's this beautiful passage again when Jesus is talking to his disciples, people who have given up a whole lot to, to follow them. Um, and this is, he, he starts with, truly I tell you. Now, if, if Jesus says truly I tell you, it's not that the rest of it is, isn't true. It's what he means is truly I tell you is like, you should tweet this. This is important. This is, get ready for something massive. So truly I tell you, um, if anyone to become my followers, oh, sorry, truly I tell you, if there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news, the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age, houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children and fields with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. There's a lot there, but it's a really important passage. Anyone who has left this behind will receive in this age a hundredfold. Not just, you know, you, you have to give a lot, a lot now, but you suffer through it and eventually God's going to fix it up later and you'll get a nice house in heaven or something, some mansion in the clouds. No, no, you, you actually, again, God really does have the best intentions for your life. God really does want you to have a good, satisfying life, not just in eternity, but here now. And his promise over you is that whatever you've given up, everything that you've had to deny, all the cross that you've had to bear, everything, that everything personal that you've had to set in your life, God will honour that. And God will repay that. Um, I, 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 I teach in an international college and there's about 65, I think, countries in there. It's, it's incredible some of the different backgrounds you have there. And for quite a few of our students, this is a reality for them. Um, they, they don't come from kind of comfortable Western Christian countries where, you know, persecution means you get slagged off at Twitter every now and then. Wow. Persecution for a lot of my students means they've actually had to leave their families behind. Um, that they've got family members that don't talk to them anymore because they're Christians. They, they've lost them, they've been cut out of their inheritance or their will. Or they've had to make some serious business choices and sacrificed a whole lot for that. And this is, and, and they, they, for them, this promise is not just something wishy-washy that they can put on Instagram. This is something that they hold very dear to themselves. Yeah. Giving up all of this stuff, your, your, your need for intimacy and acceptance and, and fulfillment and love, all the stuff that you've had to give up because of what Jesus is doing in your life, God will repay 100-fold. Yeah. It's a beautiful promise. And if this is if, if this is maybe knocking on the door of your heart a little bit, if this is something that's kind of confronting for you, just, just have this promise in your life. Just remember that God really does have the best intentions. We, we live in a broken world, but God puts the broken in families. Um, God brings all of us broken people together. God has a plan for us all, and God will put us in families if we allow Him to, um, in every area of your life. Now... I also want to say that as Christians, um, those of us that follow Jesus and those of us that are serious about um, the, the things that He wants to do in our lives, as Christians, we actually have the honour of not just receiving this promise, but being the givers of this promise as well. Uh, but as a community of believers here, we're not, just, we're not just receiving the houses and the brothers and the mothers and sisters and everything else. We're also being the brothers and sisters and mothers to the people who come into our communities. The broken people who have had to give up a lot to be here, uh, who are going through things that maybe we don't know about or can never understand, we get to be this promise to them. We get to be the people that come around them and help to heal their brokenness. Because God really does know what's going on in your heart. He knows the need for intimacy that you have. He knows the, the desire to be loved, to be recognized for who you are, um, to, to feel connection with another person, to feel part of a community and to feel part of raising up the next generation. God knows that. Uh, and He knows what you need to do to fill it. And if you trust Him with that, if you're prepared to submit some things and to, to allow Jesus to do what He wants to do with your life and to keep yourself safe, but to set some boundaries around yourself as well, God really does have the best for you. Um, and this is... Uh,
this is important. There's, there's, a, little, there's a story that Russell Moore preaches. Um, Russell Moore is a pastor in the, in the United States, and he says there was, a, um, there was a lady that used to come into his congregation. She was same-sex attracted, but she'd met, and she'd met Jesus, and he, he was transforming her life. And um, she, she, she felt as though Jesus was asking her to give up that relationship that she, she'd been having for, with a girlfriend for many years. And she used to sit in church and think, well, I gave up my girlfriend to be here. What, what have the rest of you given up? That really challenged me. I keep thinking, well, we, we don't know who's in the pews around us. We don't know what Jesus is doing in their lives. What are we giving up? How, how can we make this promise happen for people? How can we be the community around them that they need? How are we, how are we fulfilling the love and the intimacy and the connection and relationship that people have, forget, that have given up for that? We're all broken. We all have pieces missing. We all have desires that shouldn't be there. And we all, we're all a work in progress. We're trying to figure this out through grace. Uh, but we can be this grace to each other. We can, we can help this happen here. Um, Jesus tells a story in chapter 12 of, of Matthew, which is another one of his parables. It's a very brief one. He says there was a man who was walking past a field one day, and it was, it was nothing to look at, but he knew that the field had buried treasure in it. Uh, and what this man did was he, he went back home and he sold everything that he had, all of his, his house, his, um, his, his car, not his car, but all of his clothes, everything that he had to get all the money together to buy this field with buried treasure in it. And, and obviously people thought he was nuts because there was nothing uh, precious about it. But the treasure was buried. And in the process of getting that, he actually found true riches. And my prayer for you today is that the same thing would happen to you. That, that we, we, we live in a world that doesn't see a whole lot of treasure in, in, what, in our message. It doesn't necessarily see the gold in what Jesus is often asking you to do. Um, but if you're prepared to trust him, if you're prepared to do what that man did and give up your things and submit to his leadership, you'll find gold. You'll find treasure in that field. There's, there's, God really does have treasure for you um, if you're prepared to look for it. Does that make sense? Very cool. All right. What I want to do um, in these last couple of minutes is just to pray for people. And I know sometimes this is a bit of a sensitive area, so I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands or anything or kind of identify yourself. But if this is something that's maybe... It's maybe made an impact on your life in some way. Maybe Jesus is knocking on the door on your heart. What I want you to do is, as I pray, um, make this a personal prayer for you. Do what it takes to, to just connect with God in, in your seat where you're, where you're sitting. Uh, and just uh, invite God to start this process with you. Maybe it involves talking to a leader or to Benaya or Charlie or to get in, get in a resource. So just start this conversation of what does God want to do in my life and how do I get my hands on this, this field, this treasure that God has for me. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes for a second? Jesus, thank you for loving us enough to tell us the truth. Thank you for loving all of us in our brokenness, in our search for intimacy. And thank you for showing us what real love looks like. And Jesus, right now, we would just want to hold up anyone suffering in this room from past trauma or from current addictions or from fear about the future or deep questions about their identity or whatever it is that's going in their, on in their lives right now. And would you help us as a church to be a family to everyone who would come to you with their sexuality? As we continue to learn how to give up what doesn't help, to, to gain what hold of what truly satisfied, Lord, I pray that you would give us all wisdom and conviction and courage to do the right thing and to, to, and to live counterculturally, to, do, um, to seek you and put you first above all else. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Guys, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate your time. Uh, Pastor and I was about to come up and close the service, but um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.